from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. We are here inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And we are at that part of the show today on Halloween, October 31st. What's poppin'? Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory proudly bringing you the list of topics every single broadcast, letting you know what's coming on in the show so that you can set up and get ready and get your popcorn ready, whatever you're doing. If you're if you're taking a jog or you're at work or you're dropping off the kids or you're hanging out with the kids or you're, you know, getting ready for Halloween or you're getting, you know, today you're getting your costume together, whatever you're doing in your schedule, wake up call with Dan Satoro. We go with you wherever you go. That's the beauty of it is we go with you wherever you're going to be. And that's the positive so you can take the show wherever you go and have some fun with us every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We're happy to be here with you. And at this point in today's broadcast, it's time to get to that P6 continued conversation. The American Athletic Conference, who I have respected and appreciated since before they even had a logo and a true name to the conference, they are here with me today in Q&As. And we are going to go around the league as you hear from coaches from 10 of the teams that are here this week getting ready and getting set on the rest of their season as we move forward the schedule for the American Athletic Conference this week for week number 10 of college football we'll have Navy at UConn as I had stated before this Friday November 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2 Houston will be at UCF on Saturday November 2nd at noon on ESPN2 Tulsa will follow at Tulane at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN2. So a little doubleheader there for the AAC this weekend on ESPN2. And then Cincinnati, number 17th in the country, will be at East Carolina on CBS Sports Network. And, of course, SMU at Memphis, two top 25 teams, 15-1 and one between the two of them, will face off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC and that is prime time following college game day. College game day's complete coverage from Memphis, Tennessee, of SMU and Memphis, as well as Sports Center being there on Friday, and College Football Live being there as well in Memphis. So a true amazing weekend around what is set up to be a truly amazing game this week. So I'm ecstatic about that and ecstatic to see what they can do. And then obviously uh, this week we have. Uh, USF will be off. The uh, South Florida Bulls are off this week from action, and so are the Temple Owls. They are off this week as well. But nevertheless, you'll hear from both of their coaches as we get set here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora to share with you the coaches of the American Athletic Conference. So first and foremost, let's get to those coaches that have some time off this week. We're going to go first and foremost to Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong of the South Florida Bulls and my one-on-one conversation with him and what he had to say this week as his team gets set and ready for what's coming up for the rest of the season after they have this much-needed bye week. And I say much-needed bye week because everybody needs a bye week. Everyone needs a break to get back healthy and get back ready and raring to go. So with that being said, here is Charlie Strong of the South Florida Bulls joining me in a Q&A in week 10 of college football. 
this. Just what you could say about, I mean, now that you have this, this bye week coming up, the team's back to 500, 2-2 two and two in the conference, 4-4 four and four overall. Just the importance of getting back to 500 and having that ball life as you go into the bye week. Well, you needed to get back and just get back on the winning track. In uh, October, we played very well. I think we won three out of the last four. But, but we're just looking to just we got to become a consistent team. And we had to go out and perform well week in and week out. But whenever we're able to be physical and run the football, then it just shows what, who our team is. <clears throat> and then as far as your, your tight ends, Wilcox and Matt, it's just what you can say about what they've been able to do and, and how they've opened up your offense and the importance for you to utilize the tight end. Well, both of those guys are really good players for us, and when you, when you can get them on the field at the same time, it really helps our offense because, you know, the thing we can do with them, we can run the ball, and then they're athletic enough where they can win outside and win on the perimeter. So they are, they're very skilled, and but they're very physical, and they can block at the point of attack. That coming once again from Charlie Strong of the South Florida Bulls in Week 10 as his team is off this week. Uh, The other team that's off, as I mentioned before, is Rod Carey's team. Rod Carey uh, in his first season with the Temple Owls, who have played spoiler this season and spoiler in the past with the coaches that they had, Jeff Collins, for a couple seasons. And before that, Matt Rule, who's currently undefeated at Baylor right now, the only Big 12 team that's undefeated. And that includes Oklahoma, who has their loss to Kansas State. So up next here is the coach at Temple that is continuing to move move the team forward. And it's amazing to see that this is a school, Temple University, an institution that even though they've even though they've gone from Rod Carey, or even though they've gone from Matt Rule to Jeff Collins and now Rod Carey, have continued to have success, and even Steve Adazio and other coaches before that. So it says something about a school like a Memphis that can have success under Justin Fuente, continue to have tremendous success under Mike Norvell, and the same thing with Temple going from the Steve Adazios and the Matt Rules and the Jeff Collins now to Rod Carey, who, I like I said, is off this week, and I had the opportunity to speak with him. So here's my one-on-one conversation with the Temple Owls head coach, Rod Carey, as we get set here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Up next, the Temple Owls in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You know, at this point in the season at 5-3, and three, just what you've seen from your team through the through these first eight games and, and, you know, obviously the opportunity to become bowl eligible is now, you know, within your grasp for the next four weeks, just, just where you're at right now in your opinion. Oh, inconsistent. I really haven't put too much. Uh, you know, reflection into the entire season right now because we're in the middle of the grind. It's next game up next day, one day at a time, but inconsistent if I had to give you an answer is, is how I would put it so far. we got to work as coaches. It's our job to get them, um, you know, practicing in a manner that they can become more consistent. So that's what we're going to get going with this week. And then as far as your quarterback, Russo, just what you can say about you know where he's at at this point when you go back and look at the film and, and maybe some of the things he's doing right, some of the things you want to correct, just your quarterback situation at this point. Yeah, I mean, I feel good about where Russo is. Obviously, take that in relation to um, our performances. Like, we have not performed well enough. So, um, But I, I think he has certainly played well. Certainly pressed a little bit last game uh, in the second half when things were, um, you know, going the other way on us, and he forced some things that he shouldn't have, and he hasn't done that for a while. So we got to get him to understand not to do those, but he knows that, and um, you know, he's a smart football player. So we will 
get that corrected and keep moving forward. Once again, Rod Carey of the Temple Owls speaking with us here this morning in a Q&A as they get set for the rest of their season and they are currently off this week. The next team up to have a conversation with is going to be the Cincinnati Bearcats. So we're going to have the Cincinnati Bearcats joining us here on the broadcast. Cincinnati is up next. So the conversation with Luke Fickle. Cincinnati has had tremendous success this season, has really done very well, and and they're coming off of a very successful season. So you heard from Temple and you heard from South Florida. Next up here is Cincinnati and Luke Fickle and his thoughts on what's going on with his team this year as I had an opportunity with the American Athletic Coaches Teleconference to speak with Luke Fickle, and I want to thank them for the teleconference every week. It never goes under-noticed or underappreciated, and this is Week 10 of college football and my conversation with Luke Fickle. You got one loss this season, obviously, in, in the second week to Ohio State. Uh, the importance of not letting uh, a loss beat you twice. Your team's been five and zero since then. You've obviously played some some talent inside of this American Athletic Conference, especially. Just what you could say about not letting one loss beat you twice, and, and what you've seen from the team on this five game winning streak. Well, in our situation, it wasn't just a loss. It was it was more than a loss. I mean, just the way it happened, and you know, um, you know, it wasn't close, and and so it was tough. It was tough, uh, and it, it did cost us a little bit. I think we kind of slumped through the next. Um, week or so, uh, but we were able to pull out victories and win, um, and then got into a bye week where we were able to kind of re- regroup and gather ourselves and get our heads and, and minds back, both as players and as coaches. Um, but it is a tricky situation. Sometimes you have an expectation um, as a player and as a coach uh, how things are going to go and how things should go, and then sometimes when those expectations are not just interrupted or changed or you know, but they're shocked, and I think, and that's what you know maybe happened to us. Not, not that they weren't a great team and aren't a great team now, but I think that uh, maybe we were shocked a little bit. And um, we've had the ability to uh, be good enough to find our way and fight our way through that, and then hopefully, in the long run, it'll be an incredible advantage to us. And then, you know, in the conference as a whole, I mean, there's obviously the teams that are at the top right now. You're at the, at the top of the East, but in the West, a team like Tulsa, who I know that uh, you beat recently here before your bye week, just what you could say about what Philip Montgomery is doing there and, and maybe some other teams around the conference that aren't getting those wins, but they're playing in these games and, you know, competitive all the way through to the end for the most part. Well, nobody wants to, you know, nobody wants any sympathy or anything like that, but Tulsa is a very good football team. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, obviously, another heartbreaker this, this past week for them, but. Um, we had not played them since I'd been here, so this was the first time we had played them. I'd only seen them you know, a little bit in cross games and didn't know a whole lot about them. But after playing them, I have incredible respect to, um, for what he has done there and what that team really is. I know it doesn't show. and Some people would say, oh, they're 0-4 in the league or whatever they are. It, it, that is a really a good football team. and uh, To the quality of the league, obviously, um, but even in their non-conference games, to be up on Oklahoma State and uh, not – you know, shying away, they're, they're playing a schedule that is, uh, I guess what you'd say, what the commissioner would like us to do, um, and has put them probably in a little bit of a tough situation. But that's a really good football team uh, that just has not found a way to maybe get the wins and things like that. Um, and it's tough. It, it is really tough. That's that's one I'm shocked about. Um, 
and what's going on and how their how their season is going right now. That coming from the Cincinnati head coach Luke Fickle saying that he's shocked, shocked at what's going on with Tulsa right now because Tulsa has played so well and they've done so many good things and they've hung with the you know they've hung with the SMUs and they've hung with the Memphises and they've they've hung with obviously Cincinnati you know Tulsa is 0 and 4 in the conference but it doesn't show you know that they lost by one point to Memphis they lost by you know 11 to Cincinnati in a close game they lost in I think it was triple overtime to SMU. I believe it was triple. Or no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was triple overtime because that was the game that I watched. Triple overtime to SMU, 43 to 37. So, you know, and that was, you know, I miss, miss a field goal here, miss, you know, miss a field goal there. So, you know, Tulsa very well could be three and one in the conference right now. And I, I appreciate and I'm sure that, uh, you know, the appreciation is is mutual uh, from Philip Montgomery. You know, like Luke Fickle said, you know, you're not looking for any sympathy. Nobody's looking for any sympathy. And obviously, uh, Philip Montgomery and Tulsa aren't looking for any. But just the reality that this is a good team. This is a strong team that's just fallen on, you know, obviously being on the wrong side of things at the end of games. But once again, this is a team that, you know, they want to they want a couple games. You know, they won like they had a two win season and a three win season in these last couple seasons. And now we're looking at them right now saying, you know, this is a team that very easily could, you know, be in a bull situation right now. This is a team that, that very well could be in a position right now where, like I said, they're three and one in the conference. And if they're three and one in the conference, then, you know, you got to turn around and add those three wins to their overall. And we're looking at a team that is, you know, got five wins right now. And if they have five wins and they're five and two, they're one away from being bowl eligible and now they're squeaking up to the top of the West and making it even more difficult with the already difficult and very busied up top of the West division of the American athletic conference. So, you know, I think, I think Tulsa continues to be one of those teams and that's why I hope that they'll continue to invest in Luke fickle or pardon me uh, to invest in Philip Montgomery thinking about Luke saying what he said, but I hope that they'll continue at Tulsa to invest in a coach like, Philip Montgomery, because I think that what he is doing is compelling and, and is amazing, and I think there's a lot of positives that can be had from this. And so hopefully they, they see that, and obviously at the end of the day you want to win games and you want to get that done. But at the same time, you have a coach that has done a, a tremendous job, and, and I'm going to give him a lot of credit here. And I know that you know he might not necessarily do that because he wants to win these games, but I'm hoping that he'll have life in Tulsa because I, I think that Philip Montgomery has has obviously done some good things and has asked, you know, just like what Willie Fritz is doing with Tulane, asked Tulsa Tulsa to think bigger and to see themselves as a higher class and have more to give and, and more positives out there. So with that being said, I want to get to my one on one conversation with Philip Montgomery of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane and this is what he had to say to me when we got to speak here in week ten of college football. Uh, I know that the record says 0-4 in the conference, but you know you've hung in these games, and, and obviously you've been uh, you know very uh, close with Cincinnati, SMU, uh, Memphis. Just what you could say about that, and you know, and just finishing games and closing them out, knowing that the record doesn't adequately show how hard this Tulsa team's fighting, at least in my opinion. Yeah, you know, we're, our schedule is extremely tough. You know, it's, it's tough from top to bottom, and it's just continued to get tougher. Um, you know, I think the other day I saw where we had the like ninth toughest schedule in the nation. Yet, uh, 
I know what our record is, but I don't think that's a good indication of the type of team that we have. I think they have a really good football team, a team that is competing extremely hard and doing it at a high level. I mean, we played four top 25 teams already this year, and, and uh, you know, Tulane is, is just as talented as a lot of those. We've had our opportunities, had, had leads at SMU, go to three overtimes. You know, I thought we played extremely hard and had chances there against Cincinnati, and then again, obviously uh, last week with Memphis. So I think we have a good football team. Our record doesn't really indicate that part of it, but I think our guys continually uh, are working at a high level. And each week I think we've gotten better, so we just got to continue that trend and try to get it to turn around and, and find a way to, to come out on top. I know that you said you don't take moral victories, but what do you take from the fact that you're pushing these teams that are – either in the top 25 or, you know, just outside of the nation's top 25 when, you know, when you're in these games and not getting victories, so no moral victory, what are you taking from the fact that you're hanging with these teams that are obviously full-bound and, you know, undefeated in certain cases or one-loss teams? Yeah, you know, I just, you know, our team, we've got great leadership. I think our coaches have done an outstanding job of continuing to keep guys focused and determined and hungry about what we want to do. And, uh you know, I think the thing I've been most pleased with is is how our team is resilient and uh, continues uh, to get better and grow each and every week. And uh, we know we're going to have a, a tough challenge again this week, uh, especially going there. And so uh, I've been proud of that part of it. And uh, just want it so bad for our players. They work extremely hard and they're they're dedicated and disciplined and and focused on on their goals and. Um, we just got to continue to keep grinding. That coming once again from the head coach of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane, that being Philip Montgomery here with us this morning. So you have heard from USF. You heard from Charlie Strong, who's off this week. Temple's Rod Carey, who's off this week. Cincinnati and Luke Fickle giving tremendous respect to teams like Tulsa and the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. You just heard from Philip Montgomery. So with that being said, we're going to head off to Connecticut and speak with Randy Etzel of UConn and get his thoughts on his team as they will be wrapping up their final season. Hard to believe and, and kind of sad, but wrapping up their final season inside the American Athletic Conference as they will be moving forward into the Big East, which means that Randy Etzel and UConn will be left on the outside as an independent as the Big East does not have football. So with that being said, Randy Etzel and the Huskies look to find some success later on here in the season. They are still searching for their first win inside of the conference. They're 0-4 in the American Athletic, 2-6 overall with wins over Wagner and UMass. The irony that UMass is another independent school, so UConn will be joining UMass after defeating UMass here. And this is what Randy Etzel had to say when we had an opportunity to speak this week. Just uh, what you can say about, you know, at this point in the season, what you're seeing from the team. I know we've talked about, you know, some areas of growth or progression, just what you're seeing at this point from your team. Well, I see it's getting better. I mean, we're better now than what we were at the beginning of the year. Uh, we're younger now than what we were at the beginning of the year. Um, but I just see a group of guys that uh, are eager and hungry to keep improving. Um and that's you know that's what you that's what you want to want to be about. And like I said, we're we're playing a lot of young guys, and you can see the growth in each game uh, that they're playing. 
the growth in our quarterback, growth in Jackson Mitchell, who just started as inside backer, both true freshmen, uh, and all the other guys. So uh, that's all I wanted, want us to do is keep, in, keep improving and uh, keep getting better. And if you do that, then you're going to give yourself an opportunity to win when you play the games each and every week. And then as far as on the recruiting trail, just what the message has been from you and you know, just what you're looking for, not just on the football field, but as young men, just what that message is for UConn recruiting-wise. Well, that, that's going pretty well for us. And um, the thing that, uh, you know, again, I just, you know, we want guys that are, that are good people, good players, and, and good students uh, because of the things that we have to do here. But, I, you know, I want guys that want to compete, guys that have the, the ability to uh, uh, be leaders, that want to work, that uh, uh, do the things necessary in order to give yourself a chance to win and, and be part of a be part of a culture where, you know, team is important and uh, uh, want to come and try to do something uh, a little bit different than maybe at some other places. That coming once again from Randy Etzel. Randy Etzel, the head coach of the UConn Huskies football team as we are here inside of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora having some fun this morning and hanging out with you here on the broadcast and appreciate it. Inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, of course, got the Edith glasses on, the goatee in full effect, and the the traditional black shirt as you are here with Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. You need proof? You need more proof? Okay. (laughs) So, if you got the proof that you need. And if you don't, I don't care. Because Tony Stark doesn't like to be handed things, including your negativity, and I just want peace. So, with that being said, we're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Inside of today's broadcast and rounding out today's show, Under Promise, Over Deliver, as we've gone past 11 o'clock, our normally scheduled time to continue on with the American Athletic Conference P6 conversation. And that conversation continues with my talk with the rest of the conference so we've had we have 10 coaches on here today you heard from five of them and we're now going to get into the rest of those coaches so we got memphis coming up here in just a few seconds but before we go there i do want to go to east carolina so we're going to speak with ecu east carolina and their head coach Mike Houston, who's in his first season with the team. So my conversation with Mike Houston is the next one up here for East Carolina. You've heard from Tulsa. You've heard from South Florida, Yukon, Cincinnati, and Temple. So up next here are the East Carolina Pirates, who are still seeking their first win in conference, currently at 0-4 in the first season under Mike Houston. And so with that being said, let's hop into that conversation with Mike Houston of the East Carolina Pirates, East Carolina here right now overall this season has a record of three and five. So technically are still bowl eligible and are 0-4 in the conference. Like I said, their wins this season all coming out of conference against against uh, Gardner-Webb as well as a victory over William and Mary and Old Dominion in a close one, 24-21. And here is my conversation with Mike Houston. I know you mentioned the running game there and obviously in your first season trying to get some things going. Is there anyone that's kind of showing out in in that group? Is is there any leadership that's separating itself? Is it still a committee in your mind? How do you look at it? Well, you know, the the situation I inherited, uh, your two older players that I had, 
Um, one's injured and another one's no longer with the program. So I've got uh, I've got two freshmen and a sophomore there that are getting the bulk of the carries. So they're young guys. Um, you know, I think most of the leadership in that room is probably coming from Coach Terrell Sims, who's doing an outstanding job. Uh, I mean, I think all of us are pleased with Demetrius Mooney, uh, a true freshman who is you know just a couple of months into his college career, and he's um, you know shown some some bright spots uh, throughout the season. So. Um, you know, it's, what we're asking him to do is difficult for a true freshman. Uh, it, it will service him down the road with the experience. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, there's a lot of weight on his shoulders. And then as far as, uh, you know, historically, including recent history, East Carolina's had a lot of success at the receiver position. What you can say about some of the guys that you have there and some of the talent that you've seen through these, uh, you know, first half, a uh, little bit more than half a season? Well, I'm, I'm excited about uh, that group. Uh, again, it's a little bit like the running back position. Uh, this past uh, Saturday, I think we started uh, uh, two freshmen uh, and a redshirt sophomore at the receiver position. Um, obviously, uh, you know, C.J. Johnson has had a couple of solid weeks. Um, you know, Josiah Hatfield did some, did some good things this past weekend. Uh, Blake Prohl was having a steady season. Uh, and Tyler Sneed, you know, made made some plays in the passing game and also the kickoff return game. So um, they're all very, very young, uh, but they are making plays, uh, and you know they will continue to improve. Uh, the one thing I can say about that group is they all want to be good, uh, and they're working very hard. Uh, they're going to make mistakes because, um, you know, particularly with uh, Josiah and CJ, you know, it's the first first season of college football and it's Tyler Sneed's first significant playing time um, so those guys are, are learning uh, as they go along so uh, I'm pleased with them uh, you know you look up and you know everything I just mentioned to go along with a sophomore quarterback and you know the guys that are playing on offense you know they're going to be playing for several years uh, and that's uh, that's something that will um, you know help us down the road uh, and right now we're just excited about their progress. That coming once again from Mike Houston of the East Carolina Pirates, who, you know, Mike, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, who was just on the broadcast, said this morning, Mike Oresco, that he believes that Mike Houston will get him in the right direction, even though they're going through, you know, some, you know, some tough times 0-4 in the conference, 3-5 and overall, that this is a team that was winning, you know, just a few games a season, three, four games a season. And, you know, Mike Houston has been clear that he's trying to change He's trying to change the things that were broken in East Carolina, and that takes a lot longer than 12 games to do it. So I think where he's at right now, in my opinion, he's ahead of the curve. So congratulations to Mike Houston and work he's doing there. Speaking of Houston, we're going to go to Houston now with their head coach, who is Dana Holgerson, also in his first season with the team coming over from West Virginia and Dana Holgerson returning to some roots there in Houston. And with that being said, let's get into the one-on-one conversation with Dana Holgerson from week 10 of college football. Just what you could say about them, I and I know they're not on the field, but De'Ara King and Keith Corbin, just what they've done for this team, maybe some leadership that they're giving you in the locker room, off the field, that you've been able to see. Well, the one thing about where they're at, I've been happy with what their attitudes are and doing a good job on the scout team to help us anywhere that they can. Uh, they, they do they do a great job on the sidelines as well, especially Derek, just because of his experience at quarterback, being able to uh, 
you know, talk to to, to Tune when he comes off, and and Logan as well when he comes off. I, I think is very calming for uh, for the younger quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, I think one of the things that these guys are gonna uh, what's gonna benefit them is is just being able to you know take some of the pressure off their shoulders and just sit back and watch and evaluate and learn. Uh, you know, that's just part of their maturity process right now, which they are with that said. I'm coaching them when I can, but I got a lot of other guys that I got to focus on getting ready for Saturday's game. Uh, so that's, we spend way more time with those guys than we do with the guys that are currently scout teaming and redshirting. But with that said, it's just part of their maturity and I think it's going to be um, yeah, some really good players here in the future for us. And then from those two positions, I know you talked about quarterback a little bit here this morning, but just from quarterback and wide receiver, what you're seeing offensively and, and maybe some of uh, you know the positives you're taking with you as you step forward this week. Yeah, I, 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 I think we've improved. You know, if you just look over the last couple of games in our, our past game, we're, we're making some plays downfield that we hadn't made in the first uh, six games. You know, so Jeremy Singleton's making some plays downfield, Marquez Stevenson. Uh, made two huge plays uh, that were explosive, explosive plays. Uh, gotten our tight end, uh, Trehan, involved in the pass game as well. So I just see improvement. You know, I see some improvement up front with the pass protection, the quarterback's presence in the pocket, and then just receivers getting to where they need to be and making the plays downfield. Uh, we just, well, need to, just need to put our head down and keep playing. That coming from Dana Holgerson, we just need to – Put our head down and keep playing as they move forward here. Houston is obviously going through a little little growing pains here at this point under Tony Levine in his final season with the team, which was the first season that they were in the American. 2013, they went 8-5. and five. And then the next season, Tony Levine was there and David uh, David Gibbs as well. Or pardon me, so not the, not the final season for Tony Levine. So let me do that again. 2013... It's okay. It's the morning. We're good. We're going to be all right. It's Halloween. It's the witching hour. I can blame it on that. So 2013, the first season that Houston Cougars played in the American Athletic Conference, Tony Levine was the head coach. He went 8-5. and five. The next season, he was 7-5, and five, and then David Gibbs was 1-0 and oh as the team went 8-5. and five. Now, After that, Tom Herman was 13-1, and 13-1, where they win in the Peach Bowl, and then Tom Herman was there all the way to the end of the season, went nine and three, but didn't play in the la- or didn't coach in the last game, the Las Vegas Bowl, which was Major Applewhite's. He went zero and one there, so the team went nine and four. And then under Major Applewhite, they went seven and five in 2017, eight and five last season, and he was let go after a 70 to 14 loss in the Armed Forces Bowl to Army. Currently, Dana Holgerson is three and five in his first season with the Houston Cougars. Next up on the docket, we have a trio of coaches to get to get to here in college football inside of my Q&As with the football coaches of the American Athletic Conference for Week 10. And the next one we're going to is UCF's Josh Heupel. My one-on-one conversation with Josh Heupel of the UCF Knights is coming up here next. And UCF, like I had spoken with uh, Mike Oresco about, the fact that this conference has so much talent and we talk about whether they're like oh, UCF or bust it's all about UCF UCF has to be the one 
And I didn't, I never believed that. Okay. I never, I was never a part of the group that was that ignorant to say it's UCF or bust. And obviously that's not true with this year, seeing the fact that numerous teams, I think eight teams right now can still be bowl eligible uh, viably here. And then we look at the fact that, you know, we see what Tulane's doing, how close Tulsa has been. The fact that Temple has played spoiler Memphis having only one loss this season could be undefeated. SMU being undefeated UCF as much as they have two losses is another team that's going to a bowl game. So a lot of success inside of the conference. Cincinnati obviously doing what they need to do. And Cincinnati SMU both being ranked along with Memphis at this point and Tulane being just outside of that. So when you got three teams ranked in your conference, you know, you got a quarter of your conference ranked and other ones just outside of it. I think it's fair to say that you're a little bit better than just being the mediocre or mid-major or whatever garbage somebody wants to call it who's not educated. So with that being said, Josh Heupel's up next of the UCF Knights. Here's my Q&A with him for Week 10 of college football. I know that being a bowl eligible isn't obviously uh, you know, the end-all, be-all for you this season, but to know that you have that at 6-2 and two at this point as you step forward, just what you can say about getting the win this past week over a, a tough team on the road like Temple and you know, just moving forward here, knowing that you have that bowl eligible already locked up. Yeah, um, I, I think our, our kids do a great job of just kind of focusing in on, on one week at a, at a time. Um, we're excited that uh, we were able to go out and, and, and play, you know, play well the other night against, against Temple. Um, the bowl eligibility piece, really, that's nothing that anybody in our, our program has talked about. Um, we kind of try to focus on one, one game, one day at a time, and, and uh you know, our next challenge is, is Houston, and kids are looking forward to that. And to see just what this conference has been able to do, I mean, UCF has been the bell cow for the last few seasons, at least with, with the American Athletic, and to see what Cincinnati's done this year, as, as well as the race in the West, just what you can say overall about the conference, and, and as we get into the thick of things here with the season, there's, you know, still a lot of competition going on for the right to the East and the right to the West. Yeah, uh, it was a great league, great players, really good coaching, uh, top to bottom, um, and uh, that's why um, you know this league is as competitive as it always is. And, and uh, um, this year certainly no different. And uh, you know I think there's uh, you know there's I don't know four weeks left in the season here maybe, and, and uh, a lot of, a lot of football still to be played. That coming once again from Josh Heupel of the UCF Knights Central Florida. Once again, bowl eligible and 6-2 and two overall, 3-1 and one in the conference. Their only loss is to Cincinnati, who's 3-0 and oh in the conference at 6-1 and one overall. So Cincinnati is going to have to falter a little bit if UCF wants an opportunity to have their third straight American Athletic Conference football championship game that they'll be playing in. So big time here. On the other side in the west of this conference in the American Athletic, Tulane and Tulsa, two tremendous teams in my opinion because Tulsa is right there. We've talked about it. They've been right there with SMU, right there with Cincinnati, right there with Memphis. They have played in these games all the way to the wire. They lose to Memphis by a point. SMU needs triple overtime to beat them. Tulsa is no slouch. Even though they're at the bottom of the West, if you don't pay attention to the games and you don't look beyond just the records, you don't know what's actually going on. You have to take the time and do the research and realize that. So Tulsa, all the respect in the world. They're on the road at Tulane, who I have a ton of respect for as well. Tulane is one game away from being bowl eligible at 5-3. and three. Tulsa is desperately trying to get a victory 
to show what they've done this season to start getting some of those games ending in the win-loss column with a check on the right side of things instead of just saying that they played them really close and they went all the way to the end. The 0-4 does not show who they are. A win over Tulane would show some respect here. Tulsa at Tulane this Saturday, November 2nd at 4 p.m. Eastern time, the second part of a doubleheader on ESPN2. And here is my one-on-one conversation. You heard from Tulsa Golden Hurricane with head coach Phil Montgomery. It's now time to hear from the other side of that matchup, and that is Willie Fritz of the Tulane Green Wave that call the wonderful, beautiful, I can't wait to go back there, New Orleans, Louisiana home. And here is Willie Fritz of the Tulane Green Wave. I know that uh, the team is is one game away from one win away from bowl eligibility, and, and I know that that's not the obviously the only thing on the docket for you. But just what you could say about where the team's at this season, maybe some thoughts on you know how you would describe or define this year's squad as you step into these last few games of the regular season. Oh, we've been a little bit up and down. We, we've uh, you know we've played really well at times and, and look like a team that could compete with anybody in the country. And there's other times where it's we haven't played as well as what we're capable of playing. Uh, played a tough schedule, just like a lot of teams in our conference have. Uh, you know, so just uh, need to get back to work and and uh, keep working on continual improvement. Uh, you know, and have another you know very tough foe this weekend in in Tulsa. And you know, looking at the west side of the American Athletic, just what you, I mean, what you can say about. All of the you know competition that's there. I mean, obviously at this point with Memphis and SMU facing off against each other, that'll have implications. Navy is in good footing, and you know a team like Tulsa going up against you. Tulsa's been in a bunch of these games and just hasn't been able to close them out, but have competed with the teams you know with like with the Cincinnati's and the SMU's and, and whatnot. So just what your takeaways have been in the West, and then secondly, focusing on Tulsa just what Philip Montgomery is doing there and, and maybe what the record doesn't show with Tulsa. No, I think you're right about the record not showing it. They, they played a tough schedule. They really have. And, and you know, they've, uh, they, as you said, they've, they've had these teams, you know, up against the, the, the wall at the, you know, until the very end of the ball game. And, you know, and unfortunately for them, they haven't come away with the win. Uh, so we know how good they are. And they certainly proved that last week. Against Memphis and you know everybody in the West, it's a it's a very tough div- division. I I saw the other day where it was ranked uh, pretty highly as far as all the divisions in, in Division One football, and deservedly so. It's a uh, a lot of great coaches and players, and you know you got to be ready, strapping on every week. That coming once again from Willie Fritz of the Tulane Green Wave going up against Tulsa at home this weekend in New Orleans, Louisiana. And the final team to get to are your Memphis Tigers. Very excited to be able to speak about Memphis coming up here on the broadcast. Uh, The Memphis Tigers have so much to fight for coming up here and uh, big, big implications this week as we speak with Mike Norvell of Memphis. Big, big time implications just simply to look at it this way, okay? SMU is playing Memphis in Memphis, college game day, okay? So you're going to be nationally 
you know, national exposure. You're on ABC. You got a primetime game Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Not only that, but you have all of the hoopla around it the entire weekend for Friday and Saturday. First time college game day has ever been in Memphis. So all of that's going on in the background. In the foreground, you're playing SMU, who's 4-0 and undefeated in the nation at 8-0. Okay, you're both ranked in the top 25. So a Memphis win over SMU will put Memphis higher in the top 25. A Memphis win over SMU will make both teams 8-1 overall. It'll also make both teams 4-1 in the conference. If Navy is to lose, who is also 4-1 currently right now, and Navy's probably not going to because they're playing UConn, but if Navy were to lose, Navy would be 4-2. and two. So if Memphis wins and Navy loses, Memphis goes from third in the West to first. And they can hold on to that if they continue to go forward and they'll be in control of their destiny. So a big-time positive here, Memphis, if they win and Navy loses, Memphis goes from 3-1 to one and they will have the opportunity to be in the West Championship for the third time in a row. Everybody thinks about UCF being for the third time in a row if they do it this year. But Memphis has been on the other side of that. Remember, UCF has hosted twice the last two seasons the American Athletic Football Championship game, and the team that they hosted both times was Memphis. So the reality of it all is Memphis and UCF still have an opportunity to do it for a three-peat again. Cincinnati is in the driver's seat right now. They have the win over UCF, so UCF will have to keep winning, and Cincinnati will have to trip up a couple times in order for UCF to jump them because if they both end with one loss in the conference, that loss that Cincinnati or that loss that UCF has to Cincinnati will be the tiebreaker and Cincinnati will move on. So UCF needs some help. Memphis does as well. If SMU wins, they stay in the driver's seat. If Navy wins and Memphis wins, then Navy goes to first place because they're five they would be five and one in the conference. Memphis would be four and one. SMU would be four and one with a loss to Memphis. So it would be Navy, Memphis, SMU. So Navy wins, they're in good shape no matter what. Because if Memphis loses, they're three and two, and if SMU loses, then they're four and one. If SMU wins, that's the only way they stay in first place. Those would be five and zero. Oh. So SMU has to win to keep first place in the American Athletic West. If SMU loses, then Navy has a chance to be first. If Navy loses and Memphis beats SMU, then they'll be first. That's how crazy and how awesome the American Athletic West division is right now at this point in week 10 of the 2019-2020 season. So without further ado, let's speak to the coach that has implications here in what I just was speaking about, and that is Mike Norvell of the Memphis Tigers hosting for the first time ever, as I stated, college game day in the great state of Tennessee in the city of Memphis. Here we go. I know you uh, have talked about this match for a little bit before, but you know, just what you can say about being a, you know, a Saturday marquee game. I mean, the importance of this for the conference, obviously SMU is, is uh, 8-0, you're 7-1. I mean, they, this is setting up to be one of the best games in college football for this week. Just what you can say about you know, getting out there and playing in this contest, number one, and then number two, the importance of it for, you know, Memphis as a school and, and the conference as a whole to be this type of marquee matchup. You know, I, I think it's great because both both uh, teams have put themselves in this position. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been hard fought uh, for, through the first eight games for uh, both 
for both schools. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of close games. Uh, you know, we've got some phenomenal student athletes that are uh, that are playing at a high level, and for the for the country getting a chance to to see the, this game on the national broadcast uh, in prime time. I mean, it's it's huge for everybody. Uh, there's a there's a tremendous buzz within our community uh, around our university. Um, our players are excited about it. And, you know, every every game is important, and every opportunity is important. But when you know you get to get to get a chance to do it, uh, you know, in, in the spotlight. I mean, it's it's just uh, uh, it's pretty special for these young men and all the work that they put into uh, to our program and, and trying to improve each and every week uh, to to be able to to have this stage is something that we're we're definitely excited about. And uh, you know, it's I think it's great for the conference as well. And obviously there's a big-time implications in the West Division for this. I mean, Navy's in the hunt, SMU's in the driver's seat currently, but you're right there with them. Just what you can say about, you know, the importance of, of this specific game in, you know, the fact that, you know, obviously you've been able to go to the American Athletic Championship a, a couple times in a row and you have an opportunity to take hold of the West, you know, potentially with this game. Just what you can say about the importance of that in this week. Um, and it, it's critical. Anytime you play a Western Division contest, um, you know they're they're all important. And you sit there, uh, you know the way that the the way that this conference has has continued to to evolve and progress. I mean, the, the West Division is as good as it's been since I've been here. And uh, um, you you top down. I mean, you look at the the team we played last week in Tulsa. I mean. Uh, both SMU and, and and ourselves went down to the last play in that game, and uh, you, know, you know every every team that we play against, uh, you know it's it's going to be a battle. Uh, this week, you know we're playing one of the best teams in the country, and uh, you know the fact that uh, you know the fact that there's uh, that that it not only does it matter when it comes to uh, uh, you know just being the next game, but uh, when you look at uh, the, the conference standings, where we want to be, uh, what we need to do to to, to continue to to elevate and improve. I mean, this is going to be a, a critical matchup for our football team, and uh, you know we're we're excited about the opportunity for it. That coming once again from Mike Norvell of Memphis. And I want to thank all the coaches on today's broadcast. Mike Norvell, of course, of Memphis, UConn's Randy Etzel, Cincinnati's Luke Fickle, UCF's Josh Heupel, Temple's Rod Carey, as well as Houston's Dana Holgerson, USF's Charlie Strong, East Carolina's Mike Houston, Tulsa's Philip Montgomery, and Tulane's Willie Fritz for being a part of today's episode of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios right here on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. Want to thank them all for being a part of the show. Also want to thank Papa Joe for all of his words and always great conversation in football, sports, and a dose of life. And of course, Mr. Mike Oresco, always a tremendous pleasure to have on the show. And in honor, we had a Great conversation filled with a lot of awesome nuggets and storylines and whatnot and quotes that I look forward to building upon in the near future. So thank you to Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. So with that being said, big shout out to all of my wonderful partners here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Charney's Menswear and Tuxedos, Carvel DeWitt, Home Team Pub, Canine Camp Dog Daycare, and Canine Camp Ground Dog Boarding, Trapper's Pizza Pub, Honda City of Liverpool, Utica Pizza Company, Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, the Wildcat Sports Pub, and of course, Trivia at Press Room Pub. 
Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. on 220 Harold Place in downtown Syracuse. And an awesome trivia, Halloween-centric trivia this week that we had a ton of fun doing at Dominic's Restaurant. And we are there Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on 1370 Burnett Ave in Syracuse. And, of course... A big time thanks to what fuels the show, Body Armor, fueling the show here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on the daily. A big shout out to Body Armor. Get it at your local stores right now, and you will not be disappointed. Healthy, good, awesome, very, very, very tasty. There's so many great flavors with this. Strawberry banana, my favorite. This is orange mango. I like that one as well. And you can see a plethora of them here, but this doesn't even barely scratch the surface of the amount of flavors that they have with body armor. So go get your favorite today. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Whether you're listening on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt or watching on facebook.com backslash livenowdt, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we appreciate it. So God bless, have a safe and happy Halloween, and I look forward to talking with you very soon. Make sure that you also find us on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. God bless, be well, and do something good for someone today, including yourself.